We're trying to conduct a serious scientific investigation. Science, logic, reason. Do you have any hard data? Now, that's what I call science. You're listening to That's What I Call Science, the weekly radio show and podcast that brings independent and interesting STEM, science, technology, engineering, maths and medicine from Tasmania. The show is supported by Edge Radio, Hobart's premium youth station. Head to edge.org.au for more info. My name is Ollie Dove, and I'd like to begin today's episode by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording, the Palawa people. As I record on Luchwita, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from where you are listening as well. On behalf of everyone, I pay my respects to elders past and present. Now, this week's episode is a bit different to the ones that you usually hear. I'm not in our regular recording space, but I'm actually on Wedge Island, which is a small island in the southeast of Tasmania, just off the Tasman Peninsula. And I don't know the Aboriginal name for Wedge Island, and I haven't been able to find it out. But if any of you out there listening know of it or know of how I could discover the original name, please do get in contact with our show via our social media channels. We'd love to hear from you for that. But the reason why I'm on Wedge Island is that I'm a PhD student at IMAS, the Institute for Marine and Antarctic Studies, which is part of the University of Tasmania. And for my PhD, I study marine ecology. And the specific little niche area in ecology that I work in is the dive behaviour of two seabirds, short-tailed shearwaters and little penguins. For those of you listening from outside of Australia, you might be quite surprised to hear that Australia has penguins, but indeed they do. And they're also called fairy penguins or blue penguins, and they have these incredible blue feathers and are pretty much the cutest animal ever and part of that is because they're also incredibly grumpy which is just a fantastic mixture for a animal that's only as long as a 30 centimeter ruler. The reason why I'm recording an episode here is that we wanted to do an episode highlighting the fieldwork experiences of researchers in Tasmania. Normally we talk to one researcher at a time and we hear about their particular field or a project they're working on, but we're going to just hear a bunch of fun stories and wild times. Over the next two weeks, we've got a double bill set up for you. And rather than just having one guest like we normally do, I have asked my volunteers, my wonderful volunteers that are out here with me and helping me be able to do my work, to share some of their experiences in the field. Without further ado, let's hear from our first two guests. Maddie and Javid. So that noise you can hear in the background is the gazebo billowing, and hopefully that means we can use this audio. But I am joined right now with Maddie and Javid. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves and where you are in life, if you're studying, post-studying, what you're doing. My name's Maddie. i am just finished my honours degree at UTAS um, and I'm looking for a PhD. That's where I'm at. And my name's Javid. I am 
uh, two years into my PhD candidature at um, UTAS as well as the Australian Antarctic Division and I'm looking at the foraging behaviour of Adelie penguins. So we're currently sat on a cold island with absolutely no one else on this island except for us. Can one of you describe our surroundings? Very bushy and rocky. <laughs> also a bit cold, windy, never stops being windy. <laughs> Who are we joined with? Beyond humans. <laughs> I can't think of any PG. <laughs> I meant birds, wildlife, the animals. The paranormal. We are joined by the little penguins and the short-tailed shearwaters. Yeah. And I made a great pun earlier because we work with adult penguins and little penguins are eudiptula minor. So I joke that we can't work with them because they're all minors. <laughs> Javid is laughing and sighing at the same time. <laughs> and he's very grateful that it's his last evening here. <laughs> what brought you to Wedge Island? Why are you here? So um, I wanted to get some experience helping um, Ollie with her research. Um, That's me. Uh, so... Yeah, through the course of the two weeks, we've been putting GPS devices um, and uh, inbuilt with um, dive loggers onto the shearwaters. And um, I wanted to come because I work with penguins that have those devices attached to them. So it's good to get some first-hand experience to see how it's done. And yeah. Why are you here, Maddie? Uh, well, I want to do a PhD with fieldwork or get a fieldwork job. So having all the experience I can definitely helps with that so having the experience with shearwaters hopefully adds on top what is it like when you're out in the field for weeks on end um you get used to it i think you just get used to the um just being outside and being getting used to the resources and you get in the routine of going to bed at you know 1 a.m um and uh, waking up very early and yeah you get in the rhythm yeah can you explain why we go to bed so late? So the shearwaters will come back uh, around sunset every evening and then that's when we do our work and we go out searching for them um, and we either are deploying the tags or retrieving them uh, and then I just, I guess we go to bed at around 2am or 1, 1 o'clock just so we keep our sanity every day. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. So before I came here, I had no idea what a shearwater was because in the UK, that's just not a bird that we commonly think about. So Maddie, can you describe a short-tailed shearwater for listeners that have no idea what a short-tailed shearwater is? Feel free to use sound effects. <laughs> so a short-tailed shearwater, it's this grey little bird and it comes all the way down from Russia to have its chicks down here in the summertime and it sometimes bites you really hard on the head <laughs> and sometimes vomits all over you hmm. what's the thing that you miss when you're somewhere like this what's the thing that you miss the most food wise object wise person wise um fresh vegetables i reckon <laughs> that's the thing i miss the most <laughs> <laughs> sorry joe if you're listening <laughs> Joe, you're great, but it, you're not better than vegetables. <laughs> Maddie? Mm, 
Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> There's so many things, but... Oh. <laughs> Maddie has not had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've had a great time, but I don't know what I miss the most. Mm. Nothing really comes to mind. I think I miss tables. Tables? Yeah, the other day I was, like, leaning on my leg writing, and we have sort of two tables and a fridge here that you can sort of lean on and write, but you can't really sit at a chair and write at a table because they're all the wrong height for the chairs, if that makes sense. I miss just, like, yeah, being able to use a table. I do miss my bed because, like, I'm in a bit of a hole at the moment. I think I think my back's a bit like this all the time. So maybe a bed. Yeah, Maddie doesn't have a tent. She's just in a ditch. <laughs> I think this is something that I something that I didn't value uh, previously, but I miss having clean hands because I feel like my hands have just been constantly caked in dirt for the past two weeks, and it's surprisingly uncomfortable. Yeah, that's true. Because, listeners, we don't have a toilet or a shower or any form of bathroom here. We have buckets. I mean, that's not where we go to the toilet. <laughs> that's not why our hands are dirty as well. <laughs> oh, to clarify, <laughs> we go to the ocean. The buckets help us shower. Has there ever been a moment when you guys have been like, oh, stuff this. I just want to go home. On this island? Uh, on this island or any field work. <laughs> Not just in life, general. <laughs> tell, tell me about a moment when you were 14 at camp. No, no. <laughs> like in a field work setting. No. I love field work and when I'm doing it, I never really want to leave. <laughs> Nice. I expected Java to have a complete <laughs> opposite reaction. I'm just trying to think. I think stuff this, I'm going home, is pretty strong. There have been moments where I've been like, this is not ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, you putting, in our first season, when you had to put your tent up in the pouring rain. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that, actually. The first time I came to Wedge, my um, we had just finished our last shift. I don't know, maybe it was like 1 or 2 a.m., and my tent had collapsed in the strong winds and I was too tired to put it up properly and I couldn't be bothered. So I just slept in a collapsed tent while it was raining. Yep. Yeah, that's rough. And then the year after I came back and my tent had had UV damage and had no ability to take water anymore. And I got back similar, similarly to Java, got back after working after midnight and my tent was flooded. And I tried to put a tarp up over it. Um, to try and sort of reduce the water coming in, but it didn't completely work. So I had to sleep under a tarp in my tent. So I was like a, a little pass the parcel tarp and tent and tarp and bag, which was wet. <laughs> so good times. <laughs> and then the next day the gazebo flew away and landed on the hut. <laughs> Ooh, what's one really good thing that you take out into the field with you to pass the time? Uh, Uno. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Uno. Uh, listener, I was strongly pointing at our Uno cards in front of us. <laughs> we have had some heated debates over that and some tables have been flipped. That goes back to the question, have I ever thought about just leaving and saying, <laughs> I'm going home? It's when I lost Uno. <laughs> Wait, which time? There were so many. <laughs> I don't recall that. Today was a close call. <laughs>
to start off, can you guys tell me your names and what you study slash do in life? Oh my God, how much time do you have? <laughs> what do you currently do in life? Okay, um, my name's Sophia Volsky. I'm a PhD student at IMAS and I'm studying southern elephant seals from Macquarie Island and their demography through climate change. Um, I also am originally from Germany but have moved to Australia 10 years ago. So um, I'm also doing a lot of side projects in my personal life but enjoying living in Tassie. Nice. A uh, small side project being that she runs a brewery. <laughs> that classic small side project that people do. <laughs> um, my name is Benjamin Viola. I'm a PhD candidate at IMAS as well. I'm looking at snow petrels um, from East Antarctica and I'm looking at how their habitat changes under different climate scenarios. I'm originally from Melbourne, Victoria, and i got I got a few side projects as well. Definitely not running a brewery, but... <laughs> Just enjoying life, yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. So where are we right now? Wedge. Wedge <laughs> Island. <laughs> Sat under a tree because the gazebo was too windy today. <laughs> so, yeah, we're here. These guys have very lovingly come as volunteers to help me on my shearwater project. So what was the big event of today? We saw a pilot whale in just offshore, <laughs> very close by. Yeah. Actually, Ben saw it. He might want to tell a little bit of the story of how he saw it because it's pretty funny. <laughs> Public shame. <laughs> so wedge on Wedge, there's no buildings and there's no infrastructure, so you have to go to the toilet in the tide line um, and each night the waves come and Poseidon takes away your waste. <laughs> And anyway, uh, this morning it was particularly difficult because there were fishing boats everywhere and I had wandered to my usual spot and, and I was kind of hiding away from the fishermen, hiding behind some rocks. And whilst I was going, I saw, I saw this pilot whale just launch out of the water. Um, that's an exaggeration. It just took a breath. <laughs> but they've got a very distinctive dorsal fin, so I knew what it was straight away and it was quite large. And, and my initial reaction was, oh, wow, that's amazing. And, and then I heard all the fishermen start their engines. And it, it, I hadn't quite finished yet. So it set in <laughs> that I was about to get seen by a lot of people just um, with my pants down. This whale literally caught me with my pants down. And, and they did. They, they, I, I had enough time to get my hat. I had like an Akubra hat on. And I, I had enough time to get that off my head and kind of cover my nethers. Uh, but I was just squatting there like some weird frog-caveman hybrid. Um, and I'm pretty dirty because this is day six or day seven on the island. And they were looking at me and the whale hadn't resurfaced. So they were only looking at me. And I couldn't think to do anything other than wave at them. I don't know why I waved at them because it made my position more apparent. And they waved back. And, and then I just had to wait because I couldn't stand up. And I was still kind of halfway through. So... <laughs> So anyway, they shot off into the distance and I, I tidied up and ran back and got Ollie and Sophia. And then we went back and we saw it again. So this time I was clothed. It was much nicer. Oh, highlight of the week. <laughs> uh, have, there any, have there been any other memorable moments from your time on Wedge? Oh, many. Many. Uh, I don't know. The whole thing has been memorable. I think Wedge is a very special place. There's... 
beautiful coastlines and, and there's lots of seabirds getting around, or coastal birds rather. And Could you tell us some of the species? Yeah, we have 28 species that we've seen. So um, we've seen short-tailed shearwater. Wrap them. Short-tailed shearwater. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I could. I could. <laughs> I've written them in shorthand, so I gotta. I gotta figure out what I wrote. White-bellied seagull, little penguin, white-faced heron, black-faced cormorant, little pied cormorant, silver gull, Pacific gull, kelp gull, uh, tree martin, welcome swallow, forest raven. Oh, what is that? Um, What's brown falcon? Yep, yep, thank you. Brown falcon, swamp harrier. <laughs> Got to read my handwriting here. Tasmanian native hen. Um, European house, <laughs> European house sparrow. <laughs> Common starling. Um, this one is a grey fantail. Oh, yeah. it gets me every if time. it was a grey falcon, that would have been mind blowing. Yeah. But no, Australian pelican. Um, Common blackbird. You know this one. Oh, Lewin's Rail! <laughs> yeah. Brown goshawk, silver eye, tawny crowned honey eater, which is pretty cool for Tasmania, crested tern, sooty oyster catcher, um, Australasian gannet, and wedgetail eagles. Woo! The favourite two being little penguin and short tailed shearwaters because they're my birds. Yeah. What was your favourite moment on Wedge this week? Um, I got to hang out with some seals this morning, which was very special. And there was one seal there hanging out. It might have had a little bit of an injury um, on its on its fin, but um, I was sneaking up to it very closely and got to spend some good quality time with it. Took some photos from a distance, so that was very special for me because I study seals. I mean, a different species, but still, getting this close is quite rare. Now we have our final guests to join the fieldwork team from Wedge Island. And you may be able to tell that there's some water splashing around in the background because we're actually sat on the, we're, we're sat on the rocky beach, wine in hand, waiting for the shielders to come back to watch them after their long day or weeks at sea foraging. So I'm here with Jazz. Jazz. Can you tell us what you're up to in life, what you were doing last year, and maybe what your goals are? Um, last year, I was doing my honours in IMS, looking at little penguins, and now I'm doing nothing. <laughs> That's not true. She's here volunteering with me. <laughs> That's not nothing. Um, what were you doing with the little penguins? Um, I was basically trying to assess how much they were breeding during winter in Tasmania um, because it seemed like they were breeding earlier than they historically have been Um, so I was just quantifying that yep amazing and you're our first guest of the five that actually Wedge was one of your study sites as well wasn't it it was yeah I had two cameras here and a song meter and I came and I visited to see if there were any penguins twice during winter Um, and it was fun (laughs) nice and she liked it so much on wedge that she came back for two weeks and the two of us maybe sort of uh how do i say this we may sound like we've lost it because we've been on this island 
with minimal contact with the outside world for two weeks with just each other's conversations. So we've kind of talked about everything we can talk about in the entire world, but we're going to share some fieldwork stories with you. So to kick off, Jazz. So you've sort of been interested in the natural world since you were very young. What was one of your first loves in the natural world? Uh, okay, so this is gonna this is gonna sound uh, like I'm a really big capitalist, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what I expected you to say. Um, so when I came, my family did a trip to England when I was ten, and we came back. And my brother and I had gotten really into birds while in England. So when we came back to Australia, we were keen to, like, figure out what birds lived in Australia. So we started making lists and stuff. And then my dad set us a challenge. He said he would give me $200 by the end of the year and give buy my brother an iPod Touch if we saw 200 species of bird in a calendar year. And then we did. We, we went and we put a lot of effort into finding 200 species of bird like a little 11-year-old and 9-year-old, and I'm pretty sure we made some up, but... Um, <laughs> the dodo. <laughs> um, yeah, but we did that, and then we've been into birds ever since. Um, so that was that was probably a, a bit of a turning point, but I've always been into it. I remember, like, as a kid, like five or six-year-old, just going around rock pools and collecting starfish and making, like, little aquariums and stuff, but... It's not really that special. Oh, I think that's pretty special, collecting starfish as a kid. I also, that was an incredibly wholesome story about your dad. What a way to get kids into nature. Um, also, I really want to know how much an iPod Touch is worth. Like, did you do better or did your brother do better out of that deal? I think an iPod Touch was like 250 back then. Uh, so Ash was slightly ahead. Ah, uh, your loss. Um, but I was actually expecting you to say ants and tell oh, your story yeah. about ants. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, so the, I got into ants a little bit later. Um, the, I think the story you're referring to is when I swallowed an ant. Um, me and my friend were really into ants at school. We were like year six maybe, so probably a little bit too old to be into that kind of thing. Um, Never. <laughs> but we were building an ant farm and we developed this sick way to like catch the ants by like sucking them through a tube but then having a cloth over the end of the tube so it wouldn't get into our mouth um and one time at recess I had a really really long tube it was like three meters long and then I decided to um like a teacher called us in and I decided to suck up one last ant before going inside and because I was rushed I didn't put any fabric over the end so I sucked up this ant and then my throat all of a sudden really really hurt and then I couldn't speak for ages so I went and like tried to gargle and everything and my throat still like felt like it was on fire and then it turns out um my teacher tried to like dislodge it with saline solution and everything and there was like my throat was still just bad and then my family well my parents came in and then they took me to the doctor turns out this ant that was like over a centimetre long had bitten onto my epiglottis at the back of my throat and was just dangling off it um and the doctor had to stick tweezers down my throat to to try pull it out and then that really hurt but then the ant just snapped in half and then I just had an ant head in my throat for like three or four days until it gradually dissolved so that was that was good fun I just gagged. <laughs> that sounds horrific. I was going to say, I had a similar but not nearly as bad story in that I was on this trip in South Africa for my 
zoology bachelor's and I had this massive cricket maybe like 10 centimeters on my shoulder and for some reason I don't know why you've you've seen me do it in person but when I'm with an animal I love to pretend to eat them (laughs) I don't know why I have this habit but I open my mouth really wide to pretend to eat the cricket while a friend took a photo and then another friend pretended to flick the cricket except she misjudged how much space she had between her and the cricket and flicked it down my throat (laughs) this gigantic cricket and so I coughed it up um, and then it hopped away covered in my saliva (laughs) Hmm, grim but at least I didn't have its head dangling off my epiglottis for three days (laughs) so you spent two weeks here we've had quite a few dismal dinners I think it's fair to say we had a a couple of low points where we sort of ran out of time because we were doing things in the day um one of which being watching a two-hour meeting of our footy team because Jazz and I play footy, feed the uni rainbows. Shout out to the rainbows. But that we ran out of time for dinner, so we put together whatever we could. What is the worst meal, and if not worst, weirdest combination of foods that you've eaten in the field? Uh, potentially my memory is really bad or potentially the worst meal was here. We We like to cater well on Wedge. We mixed together leftover rice and leftover pasta and put like a can of pasta sauce and kidney beans with it and heated it up and it was just disgusting. It was it was not satisfying. It was gross. That was the footy day. That was the footy day. Yeah. Um but I guess some food's better than no food. Uh, and we didn't eat anything that was off or mouldy, so that's that's a plus. We had a questionable curry at one point. Which, like, had some fun in my bowels. It was delicious, though. <laughs> that was very questionable. Uh, I would do it again if somebody tested it for me first. Which was me in this situation. <laughs> so, Jazz, you're a bit of an influencer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't be modest. Don't be shy about it. And there's one piece of equipment that you take into the field with you that means a lot to you. Do you want to tell our listeners about it? I, I can do that. Um, everyone should follow Tentstagram, Tent underscore Instagram on Instagram. Um, that is my piece of equipment, my tent. And it's green and it's, it's nice. <laughs> What's so special about this one tent? I think it's just because it's mine. Oh. And it's just like a little house you can set off anywhere. And then you sleep in it. So you heard it here first. Tenstagram on Instagram. <laughs> Go check it out. And that rounds up our first episode of the Fieldwork Double Bill. You can find us on all the social media channels. You've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just look up That Science. And we even have a website, thatscience.org, where you can find all the past episodes. Thank you to Maddie, Javid, Ben, Sophia, Jazz. The six of us will be back next week to tell you more. This program was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au. You've been listening to That's What I Call Science, brought to your station and across the nation via the Community Radio Network. You can find That's What I Call Science on all major podcast streaming services and social media platforms. Like and subscribe for on-demand science updates from the team. That's What I Call Science is proudly recorded in Tasmania at Edge Radio. 
Head to edgeradio.org.au for more information on how you can support community radio. GemMaker are a proud sponsor of That's What I Call Science. GemMaker provide expert advice, services and training to commercialise new knowledge and technologies. Go to gemmaker.com.au for more information.